Hi there. My name is Mireya Perez, and I aspire to create a platform where language service providers can tell their stories and where listeners can find inspiration and creativity. This podcast is dedicated to you, the language professional that desires to listen to the journeys of others in order to create their own path and personal branding. Here, I'll feature an array of guests from all fields of interpretation, as well as translation, willing to share their stories with you. Join me as we embark on professional and personal development by telling our stories. This is the Brand the Interpreter podcast. Hey, welcome to episode number 17 of the Brand the Interpreter podcast. We're in October. Heck, we're at the end of October. And while it feels a bit strange to be releasing an episode on a Friday, I've got to tell you it's because it's been a pretty strange month. Strange in the sense that there's been so much commotion going on 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 our end, on my end specifically, with the reopening of schools, all of the communications that are being pushed out on behalf of the school district, and then all of the board meetings that go on till nearly midnight. Seriously, ending time around 11.56 p.m. sometimes. And then, this month, for another strange reason, I've received a couple of requests to do with presentations. Now, if you've been following these episodes since the beginning, then you remember my story. You know why I've opted to do this behind-the-scenes approach. But I'm just ever so grateful for the opportunities that have been coming my way to help me to break out of this shell because there is indeed a lot of information patiently waiting to make its way to the people that would like to receive it. Anyway, all of that just to explain the fact of why this episode is so late in the month and in the week. So let's get down to it. Mary Hernandez Castellanos has been working as an interpreter for four years. She's a wife and a mother of four beautiful children, two, four, nine, and 15. She completed her interpreting studies in 2016 at the Southern California School of Interpretation. Before finishing the course of court legal interpreter, she started her internship in the offices of Harriet Buhai Family Law. It was there that she realized that her passion was to serve the community through interpretation. In that same school, she also took the immigration interpreting course. She's also added the core CHI provisional certification to her resume and plans on taking the CHI medical oral exam in May of 2021. She believes that as a young interpreter, expanding her knowledge and education in the interpreting field will lead her to be a great asset for her community. She exercises her skills as an interpreter in schools, unions, immigration interviews such as political asylum, adjustment of status, and citizenship ceremonies, as well as city council, board meetings, and various community events. In short, her experience is primarily in community interpreting. During the pandemic, all of her services have transitioned to a remote service. So, without further ado, here's Mary Hernandez Castellanos. Mari, welcome, and thank you for being here today. 
I sincerely appreciate your time and the opportunity to share your story on this platform. Thank you very much. Uh, I, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Mary Hernandez Castellanos, and this is my story. Let's begin by having you give us a little insight about your backstory. I was born in Esteli, Nicaragua, and I remember my school name. Se llamaba Fe y Alegría. That was my school name. And I have a picture of me looking so just cute when I was in kindergarten. And um, I came to the United States at the age of six years old. I was raised in Linwood, California, which uh, if any Linwoodians or anyone around the South Central area, they'll know Linwood. And um, during that time, I was uh, trying to learn the language. I remember that I'd stand in front of a mirror trying to learn English by just saying jargon, gibberish. And I'd be so proud to turn to my mom and tell her that I learned the language already. Yeah. No big deal, mom. See, I got this. Take us, Mary, now back to the moment when, as an adult, you have your first interpreting experience. Do you remember when that was? I, I've always used the Spanish and English communication with with other um, jobs that I held. But one, um, one New Year's Eve, I sat in an accounting office for nearly... 14 hours and I spoke to my best friend and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm staying, spending so much time away from my family and I'm doing so much for this company and I, I just can't sit in a cubicle for so long. And she said, you know, Mary, I took this course and I've been interpreting and I think that you can do this. And I said, really? Yes, because you already do it. You just haven't been put out in the field. And I said, okay, well, what's the course? I went, I looked it up. I took the course for court interpreting and realized that I liked the services that I could provide. I did my internship at Harriet Buhai of Family Law. The moment that I went and I did my first, my first day and I did my first interpretation with one of their clients, I realized I wanted to help out and I wanted to help that person that had no voice to communicate their needs, their feelings, their emotions in their language. So that, at that moment, and after that, I honestly kept going back like just, oh, you know, I just want to volunteer my time because I want to. And my husband's like, wait, are you getting paid for this? No, I'm not getting paid. I just want to do it. And I did. I found myself going to, they would host some clinics in like, um, community centers. And I'd say, yeah, I'm going to show up. I'll be there. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Just count me and put me on the, on your calendar, whatever it is. And I ended up getting a letter of like all these amounts of hours that I, I didn't need, but I loved it. And I mean, it's just to this day, the reason that I do community interpreting is because of that, to give someone a voice. Mm -hmm. Mary, do you feel that the difference between the work that you were already providing between the two languages at the previous employer versus the interpreting you began doing after you had received the training was attributed to the training itself or was it because of the new environment in which you now found yourself interpreting? Because I sense a new invigoration to the service. What do you think? That's a really good question. 
I believe it had a mix of both, but definitely where I was interpreting. Uh, you have to learn obviously literature and the language and the words and, and, and educate ourselves in both languages. But the moment that I was put in this environment where um, the person who needed my services was speaking from the heart, I just felt like I can deliver their message in the same form that they're expressing it. And the legalities of, a lot of it all, of course, helped me with my court interpreting, but um, I, I believe I felt the passion, the passion that I wanted to make sure their voices were heard in the way they wanted it to be heard. Mary, you consider yourself currently a freelance interpreter, is that correct? That is correct. Did you automatically become a freelance interpreter after your training, or did this come after a series of events? I remained a freelance interpreter after my training. Um, my internship was during the process of the training. So during the course that I was taking, I started to get called by different agencies at that time in 2017. And I started to do community interpreting. So I got introduced to community interpreting. From there, I was referred and realized that freelancing was for me. I was training to be in a courtroom and quickly realized that I did not want to be sitting in a courtroom and no longer wanted to sit for hours on end waiting for someone to tell me what to do, but basically just be out in the world freelance and be, have the ability to just move from place to place and help as many people as I could in different environments. Would you talk to us a little bit about being a freelance interpreter? Specifically, what do people often get wrong about being a freelance interpreter? Whew, freelancing is fun. You get to go from <laughs> point A to point B in 15 minutes, even if they're 45 minutes away. <laughs> but um, it, it is, it's a fun um, way to make a living. Um, now, you have to be dedicated. You have to be uh, uniform in how you present yourself. You have to stay professional. You have to stay true to yourself and be consistent in how you work with all these various companies. Um, but it's definitely uh, something that can be uh, fun and you can definitely make a, a, a professional living out of it. I, I do it and I love it. Um, it, it is, you have to be flexible, you have to be available and you have to want to travel and you can't you know, uh, expect things to come your way. You have to go out and get them. It's not something that you're guaranteed a nine to five daily. So you really, your, your schedules, you have to keep that up in, in what, uh, how you want your day to look. Mary, the fact that you are freelancing and that by what it sounds like, agencies get a hold of you for assignments or gigs or jobs has AB5 affected you in any way? Oh, AB5, that culprit. Uh, yes, it has. AB5 definitely has a f uh, affected the agency relationship that I've built um, in the years because um, it has limited that collaboration that agencies and I had. And so aside from agencies, I do have 
direct clients that I can work with, but there is a mixture and freelancing is a mixture of collaborating with our agencies as, as well as, you know, being able to provide direct services. So AB5 definitely impacted the flow that was coming in because it completely in January 1st of 2020 stopped any of that collaboration between agency or even coworkers, even collaborating with our coworkers. It, it, it is absolutely fearful to be able to, to have someone tell you that you can no longer conduct your business the way that it's supposed to be because this is the way we work and no one really take the time to look at how interpreting translators and, you know, freelancing works. Um, they think they had, or this person that created it, um, thinks they had it all uh, in, a, in a nutshell, wanted to put us in this little squared box, but that's not the way it works. So AB5 did affect the way that um, I, I work. Mary, for those listeners out there that aren't necessarily familiar or have any knowledge about what AB5 is, would you please elaborate a bit more on, on what AB5 is? So AB5, um, thank you for picking my brain. I kind of stepped away from that information for a bit. But AB5 stops us freelancers or independent contractors from collaborating with each other. So if I am an interpreter and I get a contract that requires two interpreters, I can no longer collaborate with you as an interpreter because now I am subcontracting out that contract. And that is what AB5 has affected. So we can no longer collaborate if we were networking and we need one another and you want to share your work with me, we can no longer do that because of AB5. So it's taken our autonomy. It's taken our choice to work and collaborate. And it has indicated that we need to be employees of the entities that hire us, which is the agencies that hire us. So now we have to become employees. They would have to pay our insurance. They would have to play in unemployment and all sorts of things that really did not, it does not fit into our profession. We pay our own taxes. We pay our own expenses. So it, it is a law to mis, to classify those that have been misclassified, but it is clear that we are not misclassified and we have become freelancers by choice, not because someone made us do it. Yeah, very nice. Thank you, Mary. You know, thinking back now, I when I first started as a medical interpreter and dabbled a bit with agencies and the freelancing world, I remember that a lot of these agencies were from outside of California. So does this mean that these agencies outside of the state no longer want to contract with interpreters in California? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's an agency from New York that... Um, no longer and politely said, you know, we, we like your services, but maybe in the future we can communicate once again. Um, so there went that. Uh, they're no longer any telephone interpreting. They're not using um, Californians uh, any longer because of AB5 and the fears that it has instilled because, you know, any audits or any uh, fines that go along with using us for only two hours. Wow. My next question, which I typically like to ask my guests on the show, has to do with their biggest career challenge and what it ultimately taught them. 
And in considering your work as a freelancer and the fact that you were already dealing with the huge hurdle, which was AB5, and then comes in the second tidal wave, which is now known as COVID-19, talk to us about how you're learning to navigate your way through these difficulties, uh, whether they be in conjunction or independently of each other, how are you managing to stay afloat? So uh, that's that's really good because it, it was a combination that came in so fast, AB5 and COVID-19. I mean, if one didn't kill us, the other would just literally murdered us. Um, so it has affected, it started with AB5 in January, and that was already affecting and minimizing some of the work. So in person, I was able to serve my direct clients, and that wasn't a problem for the little bits that were coming in. Then COVID-19 came in, and that the first month and a half was just dead. You can hear crickets. And I spent time with uh, my four children and husband and wondering when I was going to be able to be back in person. And if this was just, you know, a a thing that was going to last a few weeks or what was going on. Um, So it definitely affected any in-person and the way that most of the community assignments that I do, even for the direct clients, these, uh, the, the listeners are Spanish speakers who are not well equipped with technology. So their means of obtaining the services and, and being able to get the information was in person. And now with COVID-19 and being um, sheltered in place, we weren't able to, you know, access phone or or uh, a video. Be- well, I was, but not my my clients or 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 their um, the the participants because it, they lack a lot of the knowledge, and so that became very difficult to be able to provide my services and to be able to get the community out with the information that they needed. Um, little by little, it picked up some and, and we still have to, you know, do Zoom and phone and be able to communicate them. And, and I've just been able to um, help them in that sense where if you can log in to Zoom, don't worry about it. I'll have a phone handy so that you're able to listen to the interpretation through there. So little by little, it's picking up where, um, you know, these listeners that, that from the community are able to get that information that otherwise they wouldn't be able to because of the fact that COVID-19 hit us so hard and we can be in person. And um, along with, you know, just the little ones that stayed after the AB5 hit. So, Yeah. Who are you servicing most right now, you find? No need to disclose any names or anything like that, but who's mostly reaching out to you in need of service? So more than anything, I have done uh, the school districts, IEPs. So uh, we've that has kept me very busy. I do up to two to three IEPs per day. And... Um, that it that that's one, and then uh, trainings uh, for home care workers and nursing, still nursing facilities, and also um, communication um, uh, between their uh, their management as well as uh, the employees. So those type of that is uh, mainly um, the the type of assignments that I have been reached out for. And just to clarify, IEP 
is an acronym that stands for Individualized Education Plan or Individualized Education Program. And this is a program or a service or services offered by a special education department in a school district or in the area of education. And while there's certainly much more information uh, that's behind this program or these services, for the purposes of this discussion, um, I'm just explaining it in the most simplest form to help break down the acronym for those listeners that perhaps weren't familiar with what it stood for. That is correct by special education in the school districts. And we have a psychologist involved, a uh, speech pathologist, the principal, general education teacher, um, at times an occupational therapist, uh, just depends, sometimes an advocate and the parent. Mm -hmm. And what are schools doing based on your own experience to offer interpreting services to parents? Are schools doing anything other than uh, simply requesting the interpreter? In other words, is the expectation, just based on your experience, that the interpreter come in with an understanding of how to navigate through the technology? So it, it's a learning process for all of us. And I believe that, uh, so they're using Zoom. They're using Zoom and maybe a few, actually this week I had to offer the phone to call the parent because a parent was having trouble with it going into Zoom. Their phone was a little bit outdated. They couldn't access email. The link wasn't accessible. So I said, don't worry. You know, we can definitely still host it. We can just use the phone and we'll do it simultaneous in that way. Then it worked out. They were happy. But I believe that they, they do expect for me as the interpreter to know the platform and to be able to navigate, although they're the account holders because the schools do have Zoom access and they're, they're, they host their own accounts. Um, but it's just more so like, well, how do I do this? And well, how do I do that? And everyone's quite patient as well, though. Um, because we're all in this new environment, you know, every single specialist and teacher, we're used to being outside. I'm used to going into their classroom and they're used to being in the school setting. So we're all just learning how to maneuver and even themselves are apologizing for either the lack of either turning on a camera or not knowing how to do certain things. So I, I believe that the accessibility has been, um, it's a lot of cooperation from the school districts to provide this to the parents. And I, and I feel that it has worked, it has worked for uh, really well for the parent it, that all of us, the interpreter and the team give them support and give them a way to say, Hey, you know what, maybe you can log in that way, but we can do it over the phone or we can, don't worry, just listen in. If you can hear us, just listen in. You don't have to see us. So... What has helped you most in making this transition? So in the past, as a freelancer, you were an on-site interpreter. And now, like many of us, of course, uh, you're working remotely. What do you feel has helped you most to be able to make the transition? Uh, the, I'd say being knowledgeable of technology. 
and the will to learn. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and I have to add another variable. My husband takes care of my four kids and I'm able to have silence. <laughs> but, as, <laughs> but aside from that, really the will to learn. Um, not long ago, I got a request for life-size platform. I had no idea what life-size was. And right next to it, it says virtual interpreter. And I'm thinking, oh my God, wait, or no, 3D interpreter or something. And I said, oh my goodness, is this going to be like a hologram? Am I going to be in a room? How is this going to work? I don't have the equipment. And then in researching, I find out that it's just like Zoom. We just don't offer simultaneous. So I said, oh, thank goodness. So, you know, I was able to learn more and just educate myself on the platform. So once I got in and I was speaking to the client, it's as if I knew exactly what I was doing, but just having the ability to be patient, learn, and always inform, you know, inform ourselves. And, and just it, for me, just being aware and researching and asking colleagues. And I think that adapting remotely helped me a lot with asking my colleagues, hey, what uh, headphone do you use? And what do I need in order for me to be set up so that I don't drop? And what equipment do I really need? I have always been on site. I just use my laptop whenever I need it on my lap, not, you know, to set up a whole office. So just uh, being aware and, and, and searching for the answers. Yeah, I really like your response uh, with regards to touching base with other colleagues that may perhaps have had a little bit more experience prior to this even all happening. Because you bring me to the point that I'm about to make, which is there has been an incredible amount of amazing people that have been putting together just amazing information, incredible material for those of us that had no idea how to make the transition because there were so many moving parts. Or even if you had some idea, this information or this willingness to give out information and to help out other uh, interpreting communities help perhaps to make the transition a little bit easier or a little bit quicker. And so to that way, we, we were able to feel like we were at least a little bit somewhat back on our feet or got us warmed up. And I think that at least personally speaking, I, um, the beginning of the year, you know, or, or beginning of the year resolutions or whatever we want to call them, um, I had self-imposed this, this goal of at least being able once a year to take part in professional development or a workshop, a conference, you know, um, anything within at least once a year. And if we consider everything that's been sent out, I mean, there was just an influx suddenly of all this great information uh, that was being sent out. Uh, thanks to all of that, I've actually surpassed my my yearly objective of professional development. But uh, what I was going to say is that that thanks to all of these organizations and individuals being so willing to quickly put something out and share it with others, uh, thanks to that, I feel I've been able to make a bit of a smoother transition and, and even better be able to assist the school district that I, I work for uh, to be able to assist them in making uh, somewhat of a transition with regards to what I do. And mainly because I was able to tap into colleagues willing to share their knowledge and expertise. 
Absolutely. So uh, just to wrap it up, just like Mary said, you know, tap into your network, tap into your colleagues, reach out to other people. Even if you're not sure if they have the answer, you know, still reach out and ask the questions because chances are that if they don't have the answer, they might know someone that does have the answer and then end up connecting you with that person. Take advantage uh, of that online community, guys. I cannot stress this enough. It has helped me in so many ways, and I feel and know that it can absolutely help you as well. Would you agree, Mary? Abs- I would say the same. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, webinars and joining any training that's being offered and just keeping, you know, being aware with whatever colleague is putting out information and, you know, if it has worked for them and test it out. If it doesn't, then, you know, you go on to the next step, but definitely any training that's thrown out there and and, and it says register now, I mean, immediately do it. (laughs) Immediately do it. Exactly. Don't delay. Just do it. Um, what projects are you currently working on? Whether this be in preparation for when we return to our new normal or just professional projects you're working on as a freelancer, anything you'd like to share? Uh, So what I'm currently working on right now is my medical certification. So I took the 40-hour course, which I recommend because although I have experience in interpreting and I've done several medical appointments that I would refuse to do prior to even, you know, getting more experience, but um, I've done several that don't need certification. Um, I learned that taking this course has exposed me to so much more knowledge that I otherwise wouldn't have had I not been, you know, I'd taken this course. Um, So I took that during quarantine. And I just, in these last few days, I received uh, the letter or the email from CCHI that I can now schedule my uh, written exam. So that is something that's coming up next. And then I'll be taking the oral and hopefully here. So I'll be uh, coming out of quarantine certified, I hope. (laughs) Nice. Way to go, Mary. Way to use your time for something that will assist you in the future. Mary, what would you recommend to an interpreter wishing to enter the field as a freelancer? I would recommend um, always, always take any course and educate yourself, um, learn as much as possible, take college courses if you have to, um, take, just always keep your, uh, keep wanting to learn, be hungry for knowledge and be hungry to learn something new. If you see that situation, especially right now, everything changes within hours. So inform yourself, inform ourselves. You never know what assignment might be thrown at you with the current situation with, um, current events or, you know, just always, um, attend any training, any conferences that are available right now. It's so accessible via online and just collaborate with your, or uh, talk to your colleagues, ask questions, always ask questions. Don't think we know it all. I don't know it all. I am still learning. I mean, uh, every single moment I, I probably bug some of my seasoned colleagues and, you know, I'm kind of, how do you, what do you see with this? Or how can I do this better? Or did I do this right? So always keep, you know, be aware and, and, and just be open to learning more, educate yourself. Just keep educating yourself as much as possible. 
What do you feel has helped you most in your career in terms of maybe training or a course or maybe even a book uh, that perhaps you'd like to share with our listeners? It's funny. I have this book right in front of me that was uh, gifted to me in 2016 before I even became an interpreter. And it's called The Interpreter's Companion by Holly Mickelson. I think that's how her name is. This one literally goes into legal terms, medical terms, and all sorts of terms. And I've used it for a lot of the COVID-19 interpretation that I've been doing. (laughs) And I didn't think I was going to actually need it. And here I am. Um, So uh, other than that, always, um, I, I, what I've found that has helped me, I attended the Orange County Department of Education Conference last year, and I thought that was amazing. So that helped me. Uh, at that time, I think I was only interpreting for two years and a half. So that helped me. And um, taking the courses that I took, the court interpreting course that helped me, I, and then taking the uh, 40-hour healthcare interpreter course that helped me tremendously. Like I said, I could easily have uh, asked for a letter with proof that I have completed those hours, but it has it, it is so beneficial because not only do I have the material, but I have now the extra knowledge um, to be able to provide the services correctly for my clients. Um, so that's, I'd say that that's, uh, that's one thing. And cl- also just, I want to add as a freelancer, you have to talk to your clients about our rates and be consistent and be able to just educate ourselves in that too, to not be taken advantage of for, for our craft. So Yeah, great point. I think perhaps interestingly enough, it's not something you're thinking about like in the forefront. I think that when you're first starting, you're super excited to get work and please the client, right? Yes. That you forget to establish and honor your rates. Excellent advice. Thank you for mentioning that. Thank you. You know, the interesting thing about the last two bits of information you just shared regarding the ACEBO workbook from Holly Mickelson and OCDE's conference is that somehow the universe has brought these two things together. And Holly Mickelson will be at this year's OCDE's conference. No way! Yeah, and as of today, they've not announced that the conference has been canceled. So if it carries on as scheduled... We will be meeting Holly Mickelson in person. Oh my gosh, that is awesome! <laughs> oh Lord, you know, I swear the universe is connecting everything just the right way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I thought you might like that. I was excited to hear about that too. That is so cool to hear. Yeah, Mary, we're getting ready to wrap up our session here, but before we go, share with our listeners where they can find out more about you and the work that you do, or simply if they just would like to connect with you. Well, so I am very active on Instagram. I am on LinkedIn, but I am very active on Instagram on my interpreting page and, um, I share stories on uh, Instagram. You can share stories and throughout the day, they last 24 hours. So I share a lot of what I do throughout my day. And that is MHC Interpreting. And I'm also on LinkedIn under Mary Hernandez Castellanos. 
I'm not too active on Facebook. I have started to add more content because I used it for personal reasons, but I've started to add more content. But definitely Instagram is somewhere where I do share tips that I'm learning because I'm still learning um, and how I've been, you know, conducting these remote assignments. Well, once again, thank you for your time, Mary. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to come on this platform and to share your story. It's really important to me that I share all different levels of experiences in the field, as well as the different types of opportunities in interpreting. So I really appreciate your willingness to grow, to seek out the help of others. And I think most importantly, and what I appreciate about you the most is your selfless approach. Uh, you're, you're sharing it with others, like learning something and then your ability to just turn it right around and to give it out to others. So again, thank you for your time and thank you for your contribution, Mary. Thank you, Mireya. I appreciate it. I am so grateful for you to invite me to your space and um, I will keep learning and thank you for this opportunity to share my story. Okay, so since the recording of this episode, the OCDE conference, and that's Orange County Department of Education out here in California, they usually have a big TNI conference every year around September. It did in fact take place, but it took place virtually. They still had an incredible lineup of speakers, all the same, no one changed, and so Holly Mickelson was in fact one of them. Also, since the recording of this episode, Mary has created a YouTube account dedicated to helping others to navigate the Zoom and Google Meet platforms for the purposes of interpreting. I'll make sure to include the link in the episode notes. Mary not only brings her knowledge and her care to the profession, she also brings her enthusiasm with anything that she shares. I tell her that she's the Zoom update interpreter too because she is on it when it comes to all the Zoom updates and making sure to remind her community to do these updates. So look for her on social media. One last note, you guys have been pretty quiet out there lately and I'm truly hoping it's because business is booming for you. Remember to send a hello every now and then or interact with any of the episode posts so that I know you're all still out there. If you guys are interested, Interpreter Education Online, IEO, will be hosting a virtual conference in December 2020. They have an amazing lineup of presenters from different interpreting specialties. Yours truly has been invited to present, and I will be talking about navigating language access in education from the interpreter's perspective. It would be great to see you there. Again, that was Interpreter Education Online. I hope you have an amazing weekend, and let me know if there's anything specific you'd be interested to hear about in the coming future. That's all I've got for you guys today. Till next time. And remember, tell your story. Brand the interpreter. Bye-bye. Are you still there? Oh, good. You know, I wanted to share with you that the Brand the Interpreter podcast was created as a way to help brand the role of the interpreter in a different platform. Aside from being a trained interpreter in the K-12 school setting, I work with others in creating or developing a personal brand or branding within an organization. If you're interested in learning more, please visit my website at www.brandtheinterpreter.com or send me an email at hello 
at brandtheinterpreter.com. Thank you.